Hey, thanks for tuning in to the First Monroe podcast. For more information on our church, visit firstmonroe.com. We hope you enjoy. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn or click to Genesis chapter 1. Turn or click to Genesis chapter 1. Been in a series entitled Foundations, just walking through the book of Genesis. And it is, as you've noticed, been a very slow trek so far. Um, I was telling somebody this the other day that um, really, to me, we'll go beyond the first three chapters of Genesis, but to me, the first three chapters of Genesis have so many foundational things to our faith that we learn about who God is, who we are, sin. I mean, all these kind of things. I mean, there's so much that happens in the first three chapters, and that's why we're slowly walking through this, the beginning of Genesis because there's so much there. So we will continue to be in Genesis chapter 1 this morning, so let's pray, and then we will jump into our text. So if you're able or willing to kneel with me, uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. God, this morning we are in desperate need for you to speak to us. God, we want to hear you very clearly this morning because you have spoken to us. And God, I pray you would speak very clearly into our hearts this morning as we open up your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use the preaching and proclaiming of your word. That Holy Spirit, you would lead us and guide us in all truth. Holy Spirit, you would use your word to transform our life to convict our hearts, to encourage our hearts, that, Holy Spirit, you would use and apply your word, God, to each and every one of us this morning. And Jesus, I pray, as already this has taken place this morning, that, Jesus, you would be lifted up, that, Jesus, you would be the hero of today, that, Jesus, you'd be the hero of our life, that, Jesus, everything that we do would look to you, to point to you, and to glorify you. God, speak to us this morning. Lord, I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you so much for our time this morning of singing. Because, God, I'm reminded that you're worthy of it. And you're worthy of all of our life. So, Lord, be glorified this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the things, if you've been with us, uh, one of the things that you've noticed as we've started in the book of Genesis is that we've seen that really the opening chapter of the Bible reveals to us some very key things about who God is. So we've looked at those different things, that God is the creator of all things. Last week we looked at the problem of evil, dealt with a lot of heavy questions. So this week we'll turn again, looking at who God is, and so we'll look at a different uh, aspect of who God is. So if you take notes this morning, here is the main truth that we'll see this morning, and that is this, is that God is the sustainer of all things. God is the sustainer. Of all things. We've seen that God is the creator of all things, but hopefully you'll see today that He's not just the creator of all things, but He's also the sustainer of all things. So if you have your Bibles, we should be in Genesis chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 2, and then you can flip over or swipe over to Genesis 31, chapter 1, verse 31. It says this In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And skip over to verse 31. It says, And God saw that everything that He made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Chapter 2. Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all of His work that He had done in creation. 
this morning what we'll do is we'll look at this main truth. This morning we'll kind of unpack that, and then at the end we'll have some implications that this truth should have on all of our life. So, main idea, God is the sustainer of all things. So, I, needless to say, hopefully you have gotten this by now. When you turn to chapter 1, you will see this, that God is the creator of all things, right? That everything into existence that you see and don't see, by the word of His power, spoke it all into existence. The universes, the stars, the sun, humanity. I mean, everything was literally created just by God speaking. We'll read some passages later that he was, did it through the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the Word and all that was spoken to existence. But I think sometimes we have this misconception that when you get to the end of creation, it says on the seventh day that he had finished his work, he saw that it was done, and he rested. And so sometimes we have this, I think, uh, misconception that what took place is God did all of his work, probably did more work than we have ever done in seven days, and he accomplished a lot, needless to say, in seven days. But then it almost seems like he did this. He kind of wiped his hands creation's done, I'm out. You know, like, we'll just let everything work. But that's not the way that it is. That God didn't just wipe his hands on the seventh day and say, well, hopefully it all works out. But one of the things that you see is that God created all things, but he also sustains all things. That all things hold together because he allows it to happen, that he is working all these things. There's a theological term that's used for this to describe the sustaining work of God, and it's called God's providence. I think we have a definition for you on the screen, and it's this. Providence means this, the continuing action of God by which He preserves in existence the creation He has brought into being and guides it to its intended purposes for it. So one of the things is that God's providence means this, or God's sustaining work, is that God continues to work in creation by bringing it all about. There's a Hebrew word that's, the word sustains means this in Hebrew. It means to uphold, to support, to cause something to continue. There's a reason why right now you are still breathing oxygen. There's a reason why there's still something called gravity. There's a reason why all of this is still happening right now, and it's because of God's sustaining work. God right now is sustaining the entire universe right as we speak this morning. That God didn't just create it all, but He sustains it all, that He holds it all together. The Bible actually tells us this in multiple places, and I want us to see this just for reference, of how God does His sustaining work in creation. One of those is Nehemiah 9.6, and here's what Nehemiah says. It says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heavens of the heaven, and with all their hosts, the earth and all that's on it, and the seas that's all that is in them, and you preserve them all, And the host of the heaven worships you. So he says this, you alone, you've made the heavens of the heavens. Whatever that is, I'm not sure, but it sounds very big, right? The heavens of the heavens. You made the earth, all that's in it. You made the sea and all that's in it. But you didn't just make them, but you also preserve them. or, Or you sustain them. There's one of the things that you'll notice that a lot of times in the biblical passages is it speaks of God creating, and then right alongside it speaks of God sustaining it and preserving it. That God not only creates it, but He also preserves it and sustains it. Colossians 1, uh, verse 16 through 17 says this, and this is speaking about Jesus. It says, For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And then it says this in verse 17. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So again... He lets us know God created all things, but then he tells us this, that also Jesus in this very moment is holding it all together. 
that not only did he create it, but he also holds it together, all of creation. We also see this in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. It says this, In these days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Right now, God is upholding the entire universe merely by his word. Isn't that really hard to just fathom and and just think about? That right now, all the universes, the galaxies, the stars, the sun, the moon, and all the way down to a tiny atom, everything right now is holding together and being sustained together merely by the power of His Word. We serve a really, really big God. Uh, Not only did He speak all... I mean, that's, that's big enough. I mean, just Him speaking into existence just merely by His Word, everything that you see and don't see. But not only did he just create it, but he also sustains it. Right now, the whole universe is being held together because of the power of God. That's a really, really big truth. I I think as I was processing this, just thinking about it kind of in my own life, just, just to be reminded of the bigness of my God, to be reminded of his power, Really, almost even fear, a reverent fear to come over. Just think about, like, right now, like, God is that powerful that He's able just by His words to hold together the entire universe, the fabric of everything that we know. And God holds it together this very moment and the next moment and the next moment after that. And God is sustaining all of it and preserving all of it. When I was in seminary, one of the things that I remember, um, and it, it really stuck with me, and this was one of my professors, and he, he told us this in my systematic theology class. And he says this, that that theology, the study of God, should always be very practical. Meaning this, is that the truth about God should always impact my life. That it's not just something that I should know in my head, but it's something that should impact my life. It should impact my heart. It should impact the way that I live my life. This is a really big truth this morning. Is that God is the sustainer and, and provider and He preserves all things that you know. But my thought is, how should that truth impact my life and yours? Because it should. Not only should it cause us to be in awe and wonder and worship because of the bigness of our God, but I think this truth should impact your life in some way. I'm glad you're wanting to know what those ways are because we're going to look at those this morning because that's one of the things that I hope you've seen as we've walked through Genesis to look at really who God is, is who God is should impact our life on a very practical level. All of us. If we really believe these things about God, it should cause for us, all of us, it should cause us to know things, to be reminded of things, and cause us to live a certain way. So, in light of this, in light of that God is the sustainer of all things, I have a few things that I want us this morning to be reminded of, of how this should impact our life. All right? Number one is this. You are not self-sufficient. Since God is the sustainer of all things, there's this huge implication that that has for the entire creation, and that is this. Since God sustains it all, that means that nothing in creation is self-sufficient. Nothing. Nothing can physically exist apart from God's sustaining power. God is sustaining it all. Just think about that for a second. 
There's only one thing in the entire universe that's self-sufficient, and that's God. But everything that God has created is created to depend upon the Creator or the Sustainer. You are not self-sufficient. There's nothing in creation that's self-sufficient. I want you to just think about this crazy reality. There are people, maybe even this morning, or there could be people, obviously we know in the world, that seek to disprove God. That seek to, through argument, through philosophy, through a lot of different things to explain away the existence of God. Just think about this crazy thought. That the very breath that these people use to say or disprove God, God gives them that breath. That God is, in a sense, even as they are seeking to disprove God, yet God is sustaining the life within them to be able to say it. Here's where I get that from, Job 19. 9 through 10. Here's what it says. Who among all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. In God's hand is the breath of every living thing. God, right now, the reason why you have breath in it is because God allows you to have breath. It says it's all in his hand. God is sustaining you. You are not self-sufficient. Whether you think you are, you are not self-sufficient. But it's not just physically, but it's also spiritually. Paul Tripp actually says this. He says, human beings are not simply self-sustaining. And we were never designed to live as if we were. The doctrine of creation confronts us with this reality that we are neither physically nor spiritually self-sustaining. We were created to be dependent. Physically and spiritually, you are unable to sustain your life. This is frustrating, isn't it? You are dependent. Whether you like it or not, whether as frustrating as that is, you are not self-sufficient. Let me prove it to you how frustrating this is. This may not frustrate frustrate you like it does me. Have you ever had this happen where you've had your phone and you've looked down at your phone and you've realize that you have 2% battery left, but then you realize also you don't have a charger or a car charger, and maybe you're going somewhere, and you just have this kind of, you may not have a panic attack, but just have this overwhelming frustration of like, this isn't good. I need my phone to stay on. I just don't have any source of power. That's really frustrating. I remember we had, this was a couple years ago when I was youth pastor at Ravel, and I remember we, uh, we had this long bus trip to Ridgecrest, North Carolina, like a 12-hour bus ride, we left in the middle of the night, like 3 o'clock in the morning. And one of the things I told all the students before they got on the bus, we do not have plugs on this bus, so whatever you do, do not waste all of your time playing games on your phone because your phone will die, you will complain to me, and there's nothing that I will be able to do for you. I told them that, but of course, like students, they, they, I can talk about students because a lot of them are gone today uh, on the retreat. But sometimes they have a tendency to not necessarily listen to what someone older has to say. And so, like clockwork, I remember it was early that morning. We had driven all night early that morning. I had like multiple students. James, my phone's dead. I I don't know what to tell you. I told you it would die. I mean, it's one of those things. If you play on your phone for multiple hours, it will die. And I remember it was this, it was a really funny, every time we'd stop at either for lunch or for bathrooms, whatever, I mean, the kids would have their chargers in their hands, it would immediately run in just to get at least one or two percent back on their phone. Like it was the craziest thing. I mean, they were just needing to have power in their phones. 
Now, while this is crazy and while this is sometimes a frantic scene, I don't want to say this, that you're a robot because you're not a robot, but you're similar to a phone. Phones do not last on their own. It has to be hooked up to a power source in order to work. If it's not, it won't work. You are the exact same way. You are not self-sufficient. You cannot sustain your life physically or spiritually. Let me say this. I believe this. I believe that many times in life, people are so frustrated, filled with anxiety or depression or confusion in their life because they are seeking to live their life as though they were self-sufficient. They're seeking to do life on their own apart from God. And here's the reality. If you seek to do your life physically or spiritually apart from God, I promise you, you will not be good. Here's why. Because you are not designed to. You are not designed to live your life on your own. John, actually, Jesus says this in John 15, 5. This may be a familiar verse. Jesus says this. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty clear that Jesus says, apart from me, a relationship with me, being intimate with me, apart from me, you can literally do nothing. You want to bear fruit, you want to be, have a productive spiritual life, you cannot do it apart from God. You have to be connected to Jesus. You have to be in relationship with Jesus. So here's the thing, since God is the sustainer of all things, we have to be reminded of this truth that you cannot do life on your own. And here is my, my fear, and I see this in my own life, is that many of us, even though while we may not say this very explicitly, a lot of us are trying to live our life on our own, in our own power, apart from God. You know, this God has given us multiple things in our life to keep us connected to Christ and to keep us connected to our power source. Let me give you a few of these. Let me tell you this. These are going to be very familiar things that I'm about to give you. You're going to say, James, I already know this. Here's what's funny, and I heard somebody say this about preaching. Preaching is not necessarily about telling you new things. It's just to remind you of things you already know. There are some things that I know and I forget really easily. And so when I go through these things, you're like, I already know that. True, you probably do already know that, and so do I, but how often do I forget these things? All right? So, so what are ways that God uses to sustain me in my spiritual life? Number one is the Bible. God has given us His Word, spoken out to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to us for our benefit and for our sustaining power. He says this, David says this in Psalm 19, 7. He says this, The law of the Lord or the word of the Lord is perfect, able to revive the soul. God's word is able to revive your soul, to sustain your soul. Let me just think think about this. If God is able to uphold the entire universe by the power of his word, why would he think to do any other way with your own soul? If God sustains this entire universe by his word, don't you think that's how he wants to sustain your life as well? Through his word. God has given us very clearly his word to read it, to apply it, to put it into practice in our own life. Let me just say this. As I say about reading the Bible, uh, there's a lot of, well, there's a tendency for us to make this a checklist. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses actually says this to his people because I think he knows the tendency in Israel and he also in us. Moses says this to the people. He says, this word that has been written for you, it is not an empty word for you. He says, but it's your very life and by these words you will live. 
there's a tendency for us to think that the Bible is just merely words on a page. It's not words on a page. Actually, Hebrew says that it is alive and active, and it is powerful, and it's powerful enough to sustain your soul. It, it's not a checklist thing. You need to be in the Word. You need to be in taking the word, applying the word, having the word get into your life. Why? Because this is one of the avenues that God has given you to sustain you throughout life. I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're reading the word or maybe you're walking through things and you're like, man, this was written a long time ago. But man, that verse right there really stuck out to me. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit has the ability to bring out God's word and apply it to my life. And you're like, man. It seemed like it was written a long time ago, but it fits very clearly with right exactly what I'm walking through today. That's the beauty of God's word. That is alive and active and just as applicable today as it was back then. God has given us his word to uphold our life. Number two is prayer. God, in the person of Jesus, by what he's done for us, Hebrews tells us, has given us access that we can boldly come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. God has given us the avenue of prayer to connect with God. A couple, I guess about a month ago, I went to a conference um, out in California. It was a preaching conference that me and uh, Dr. Eddie went to. And uh, it was a good time of just getting away, hear the word, and just to be uh, refreshed in my own spiritual life. The whole conference, the, the main theme of it was called To Be Faithful. And each sermon or each session was on like an aspect of being faithful. There's one of the sessions that really convicted me really, really bad. And it was the session on being faithful to pray. And one of the things that he shared about this is that one of the things that you see in Jesus' life and multiple times in Jesus' ministry, actually things would be going like super, super well. That like tons of people would be flocking to Jesus, healing, deliverance, like all these amazing things would happen. And then Jesus would just like cut out. And like the disciples would be like, what are you talking about? We have a revival going on. Like, what are you doing, Jesus? And Jesus would just walk away to a deserted place to pray for multiple hours. And you could see this would frustrate the disciples because they're like, hey, we got people waiting on you. And Jesus would yet get away to pray for multiple hours. And actually, the text would actually insinuate that he would get up like multiple hours early in the morning and spend multiple hours in prayer with God. And one of the things that this, this guy, this pastor, as he was preaching on this, it really convicted me is this truth. That a lack of prayer in our life reveals a lack of dependency on God. So, so let me say this. A telltale sign of if you're trying to live your life as you are self-sufficient is to examine your prayer life. If you begin to examine your prayer life and recognize that prayer is something that is lacking in your life, then I would submit to you that you are seeking to live your life as though you're self-sufficient. Here's what prayer is saying. When you pray and seek after God and you're saying this to God, I cannot do this on my own. I'm coming to you because I need you. I need your presence in my life. I need your strength in my life. When we pray, we are expressing our great dependence on God. And so, reverse of that, if you are not praying and not spending time with God, you're revealing that you have a lack of dependency on God in your life, that you are trying to do life on your own. That's convicting. That was super convicting for me. Can I confess this to you? While I was listening to this sermon, one of the things that God convicted me of is uh, how much more I need to pray for you and how little I do that. You're like, well, that's really comforting that my pastor doesn't pray enough for me. Um, Here's why the Lord, as I was listening to it, the Lord convicted me of this. And this is a frustrating thing that I, I feel as being pastor 
is the things that I, I desire to see amongst us, in, in through us, is I do not have the ability to do that. God does, but I don't. I can't pre- preach the perfect sermon. I can't say the perfect thing, have the right sermon. Seri- like I can't do all of these things and expect that all of a sudden just I need God to do it. And it was almost like God says, James, it's like you're trying in your own ability to do all of these things when you actually have access to greater power to be able to do these things. And it's not in you, it's in me. I I just, I want you just even to think about your your life right now, to think about your prayer life. I'm not saying you don't ever pray. Uh, A lot of us, I call them popcorn prayers, not that they're bad. But like if you're about to take a test, like, Lord, help this test or... You just you popcorn them up. You just shoot them up real fast. I think that's good. I think that's helpful. But, but is there ample time in my life that I have set aside to devote myself to God? Now, if you may be like me, you may say, well, James, when do I have time for it? We've got a lot of stuff going on. This is crazy. Even as a pastor, like, there are multiple times where I'm like, I just don't have time to pray today. I need to study the Bible. I need to go to the hospital visits. I need, like, I need, there's a meeting I have. I've got to call these people. Like, there's multiple things. And here's what I've, the Lord is slowly but surely patient with me and helping me understand. Really what would be a better part of my day is just to block off my entire day and just spend the whole day in prayer. That what God is able to accomplish is a whole lot more than what I will be able to accomplish in my own power. And so one of the things I think is we realize this truth that you are not self-sufficient is you need prayer. I, I think we have a picture actually up here. Kirsten showed me this picture. There was a tornado recently. I don't know if you've seen this story, but Priscilla Shires shared this and said that basically this is a whole house, like the tornado just destroyed this entire location. But what's interesting is this lady, actually, this is her prayer closet that's still standing, and she prayed in that closet every single day and spent multiple hours in that closet praying. And during the tornado, she took her family, and the only thing that was still standing was her prayer closet. I would say this, not only is that a powerful testimony, but I think that represents our life, is that if you want to be sustained through all the storms and the difficulty things of life, you need to pray. This is what God has given us to be able to sustain us even through the most difficult circumstances in our life is we need to pray. We need to be dependent on God. We need to express our dependency on God. And this is why God has given us prayer in our life is that we need to pray. Third thing that God's given us is the church. God created us as people in our life that you are not to live your life on your own. This is why gathering as the people of God is so important. Doing life with people, setting aside, even if it's every Sunday at 9.30, 10.30 as we come together to gather together to, to spend time in His Word, to pray, to sing, to hear preaching, to hear God's Word. Like this is something that is important for all of us. Actually so important that Hebrew tells us, don't neglect this. Don't abandon this. You need to be with God's people. You need to gather with God's people. This is one of all three of these ways are the ways that the Holy Spirit uses in our life to connect us to the power source of God. You need, you need the Bible. You, you need prayer. You need the church. You need to be surrounded with God's people. Have you ever noticed this? All three of these things. Have you noticed how easy it is to have excuses for all three of these of why we don't do them? Have you noticed how much resistance you have toward these three things about reading the Bible? Have you ever sat down to read your Bible and immediately get a text? Or you pray, or you're about to read your Bible, and immediately you're like, "Oh man, I got to call that person," or "I, I got to write this note down." Or when you sit down to pray, like I'm really going to spend time in prayer, and immediately a text goes off, 
kids crying, whatever it may be, or same thing with gathering together with God's people. Have you noticed that all three of these things that God has given us to connect ourselves to God, to be connected to Him through His Spirit, how, how often it is that we have excuses for all three of these? If I can just say this, and then I need to move to the next one. Don't you think that Satan will do everything possible to get you away from these three things? He does not want you in the Word. And He definitely does not want the Word to get into you. He does not want you in prayer. He does not want you connected to your power source. He does not want you to be in the presence of God. And He does not want you to be with God's people. And He will come up with every excuse in the book, and you will come up with every excuse in the book to neglect these things. God, through His Word, through prayer, through the church, through all these through His Holy Spirit, uses these things to sustain your life. You need these things. Why? Because you're not self-sufficient. Number two truth that we see is this, that God is able to sustain you through all of life. Number two, God is able to sustain you through all of life. Have you ever seen this, or maybe you've heard this quote or this stat or whatever, that the earth is exactly where it needs to be to sustain life? Like if it moved any farther away, everything would freeze or if the earth moved any closer, then everything would burn up. That literally right now, I don't know the exact distance, but like literally right where the earth is, is the perfect place for the earth to be to sustain life. And if it moved any direction, death would occur. Anything about this, like right now, God in His power and His sustaining work sustains the earth right where it needs to be. So let me ask, or let me say this to you. If God is able to sustain the entire universe... Don't you think God can sustain your soul? Like if God is able to keep the earth exactly where it needs to be right in this very moment, don't you think that God is able to care for you and your soul? For the things that you face in your life, do you not think that God is able to take care of you right where you are? This is one of the things that really struck me as I was walking through this, is I was thinking like, man, just thinking of all these like humongous things that God is like sustaining the heavens of the heavens, that God is sustaining the galaxies and the universe. But He doesn't just sustain those things. He also, for us as believers, He sustains you. No matter what you face in life, no matter what you walk through in life, that God is able to sustain you. The psalmist says this more than enough. I want to read a few of these so that you see. Psalms 54.4 says this, and this is David. He says, For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper, and the Lord is the upholder of my life, or the sustainer of my life. He says this, he says, look, people are out to kill me, but even in the midst of this turmoil, yet God, you are still my helper, and God, you are still the upholder of my life. That even through these difficult circumstances that David's describing, God, you're still able to sustain me and uphold me through this. Psalm 55 says this, verse 22, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Another promise that we have in Scripture is similar to 1 Peter. He says, cast your burden, your cares on the Lord. Why? And He will sustain you. That God, in right in this very moment, will sustain you in your life. Another one is Psalm 121. I want you to listen to this as the psalmist says this. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel, he neither, neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is your keeper, and he is the shade of your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you, and you're going out, and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Man, how comforting is that? He says, I look to the hills, and where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. He's able to keep me and sustain me no matter what life throws at me. God is able to sustain me through it. Like, isn't that encouraging? Because I would say this for all of us know this about life, that life has this tendency of like, I've heard it, if you're not in a storm, you're about to go in one or you just got out of one. And so for a lot of us, there's this reality of your, it's like, man, it feels, it seems like life is filled with all of these things. But yet here's what he says, that even in the midst of all of these things, where does your help come from? Where does your sustaining come from? It comes from the Lord. So it's like, no matter what you're going through in life, God is able to sustain you and uphold you through it. Whether, whether it's you're in a season that's really good right now or if you're in a season that's of great difficulty or anywhere in between that. Whether you've just lost a loved one, whether you're raising kids, whether it's in a marriage, in dating, in school, at work, with your friends, in sickness, in old age, no matter where you are in life, we have this promise that if God is able to sustain the universe, He will also sustain you. And isn't that encouraging? That God is able to sustain you no matter what you face in life. That God is able to preserve you no matter what you... And even this, even death, God is able to preserve you through it. Actually, if you in Psalm 121 says this, that you will keep me from this time and forever. Paul actually says this in Philippians. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. Jude says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. He just says, look, I, I know for sure that God is able to keep me. No matter what I face in life, even stumbling, God is able to keep me and to preserve me so that one day he will present me blameless before Jesus. Praise God that God is able to sustain me, uphold me, preserve me through everything in life. And he's able to one day he will present me blameless to Jesus. I will be presented and I will one day stand in the presence of God, preserved through all of life because God did it. In just a second, in our response, we're going to sing this this hymn. It's this new hymn by Keith and Christy Getty, and it's called He Will Hold Me Fast. I don't know if you've heard this this hymn before. I want to read to you the first lyric of this. And as we sing this this morning, I want it to be just a time of just to reflect and remember of this truth. that If God is sustaining all things, he's also able to sustain me. Listen to the way the song begins. It says, when I fear my faith will fail... Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful past. For my love is often cold, but he must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. 
There's a line in there that really gets me. It says this, For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Have you ever felt that before? That your love for the Lord has grown cold? If you haven't, I have. And here's what I'm thankful for, is that He holds me fast and renews my love for Him. He restores my soul. He refreshes my spirit. And that's my prayers this morning as you think through this. As you came here this morning, whether it's you're trying to do life on your own, whether you're saying, man, my dependency or my love for him is maybe it's grown cold or whatever. My prayer is that you would recognize that God is the sustainer of your soul and that he wants to uphold you even through that. Even when your faith will fail, God will hold you fast. There are times when we face things in life where you're like, my faith may not be big enough for this. It may not, but good thing your God is big enough to sustain you even through it. And he will give you the faith to walk through these things. And God is the sustainer of the entire universe. But he's also the sustainer of you. Man, what amazing, big, glorious, wonderful God we serve. Let's pray. God, just as we have looked this morning at an aspect of who you are, God, it, 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 it requires of us worship. God, to think about your awesomeness, your bigness. God, how glorious you are, how majestic you are, how in this very moment, God, to think of all the, that right now, everything that we know is being held together by the word of your power. God, I pray this morning that you would, God, that truth, the truth about who you are, God, would encourage all of us this morning. God, that you don't just sustain the universe, but God, you also can sustain our life, God, through all the difficulties and struggles and things that we face in our life. God, you are able to uphold us and to keep us and preserve us through it all. God, I thank you for who you are. God, that you care for us. God, that you long for us to know you and be in relationship with you. God, I pray this morning as we respond and as we sing to you, God, I pray you would refresh our hearts. Holy Spirit, you would refresh our soul. Holy Spirit, you would awaken, God, our first love within us. And Holy Spirit, you would rise within us faith. Holy Spirit, you would rise within us strength. Holy Spirit, you would begin to well up inside of us to have a love and a boldness for who you are and what you have done in our life that, God, you would cause even in these moments, God, that you would begin to display your sustaining and working power in our life. God, I thank you that you hold us fast in everything. God, I love you. I praise you in Jesus' name.